Welcome to the Rosemont Baptist Church Podcast. Rosemont is a thriving group of believers who desire to connect with Jesus and His church, grow in faith and understanding of God's Word, and serve in our local area and around the world. We are located in LaGrange, Georgia at 3794 Hamilton Road and invite you to attend any of our three services on Sunday mornings. Please visit our website at rosemontchurch.org for more information. And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. Take your Bibles and open to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2. Happy New Year as you're finding 1 Peter chapter 2 towards the end of the New Testament. Out with the old, in with the new, right? 2021 is gone. We look with excitement to 2022 and we pray it's going to be a great year. We pray the Lord blesses us, encourages us, uh, gives us uh, great joy and hope. And if we were being honest, the last couple years have been pretty difficult, haven't they? Uh, Maybe some of the hardest uh, we've experienced as a society. Uh, A lot of things have happened the last couple years politically and and culturally, and and I don't even have to get into COVID. Uh, But a lot of those things have kind of forced us into this idea of maintenance, right? We're just gonna kind of maintain. We're gonna kind of find ourselves in a lull and we're just gonna kind of do what we have to do to survive and and get by and just kind of make it to the next day. And a lot of us have kind of had this mindset of of just simply putting one foot in front of the other, kind of batting down the hatches. But I just wanna encourage you, I think it's a good time. It's a fresh start at the beginning of every new year just to be encouraged and to challenge you by saying, even in the midst of the struggle, we don't know what 2022 is going to bring. We hope it's better than the last couple of years, right, on so many levels. But even in the midst of the struggle, we have to move forward. And, and a lot of us need to be reminded to get back into the mindset that we have a calling from the Lord to reach the world for Christ. Outside of cultural, political, COVID, whatever the case may be, outside of all those things that are swirling around, we've got this call scripturally to live for Jesus, to reach outside the walls of this church, and to make his name known. And so I think it's a good time, too, to remind you, and if you're at home watching this morning on Simulcast, we're so glad you joined us, and and there's still a lot of need for us to continue to simulcast, and we're going to continue to do that. It's a great ministry for our church. You may not know this, but there are several hundred people on a regular basis that watch this every Sunday, uh, really from all parts of our state and even some overseas. It's really cool to kind of see it every Sunday. It's a ministry we want to continue to provide, and so if you're at home or sick and need to watch, that's great. We want to continue to do this, but let me just challenge you at home just for a minute. If you've kind of gotten into this place where you're staying home on Sunday morning because it's easier, it's time to come back, right? If you can go to school and work and Walmart, ooh, Walmart, if you can go to Walmart or sporting events, if you can do those things, you can come to church. So listen, if you're at home for a legitimate reason, you're sick, under the weather, I get it, I totally understand, but I think some of us have just kind of gotten out of the habit. And so I just wanna challenge you. Let's make this year a priority to be in person, 
to worship with fellow believers. That's what Christ has called us to do, right? As we're challenged, as we think about the new year with excitement and and renewed hope. And so here's the question I want to ask for those that are watching at home, for those that might be in our overflow area, for those that are here right now live. Here's the question I want to ask you and really challenge you with for the next few minutes this morning. How are we going to live for Jesus in 2022? Now I'm going to speak for myself. I can't speak for you. But I've made a lot of excuses the last couple of years. Oh, I can't do that because of this, or I can't go here because of that, or fill in the blank. We've all done that. We all understand. We all know kind of where we've been. And some of those excuses are legitimate. I get it. But I just want to challenge and encourage you with this idea of living more for Christ in 2022 than you ever have before. How can you live on mission? How can you be missional? How can your Sunday school class be on mission? How can our church be on mission? What are we going to do this next year to live for Christ more than we've ever done before? And a text that's going to help us understand that and remind us of our calling is 1 Peter chapter 2. Now, I'm going to give you just a little bit of background about 1 Peter, written by Peter, about 63 uh, AD or 63 C.E., right? For those of you that study history, know they've changed the names of A.D. and B.C. I'll explain it to you later. About 63 years. By the way, they changed the name, but it's still based on the birth of Jesus. Isn't that funny? Still the same marker in history. They just changed what they call it. Anyway, whatever. 63 years after the birth of Christ, Peter talks a lot about how to live for Jesus. So I'm just going to read you a few very quick verses of intro before we get into kind of the meat of what we're going to talk about. First Peter 1 Verse 3, Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again. Right, As a follower of Christ, you've been born again right from death, watch, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith, for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, right? Because of Christ, we've been born again out of the darkness of the world into this glorious inheritance that will never go away. It's imperishable. And then in the beginning of chapter two, Peter kind of explains now how we ought to live because of this. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, right? We ought to live for Christ. We ought to be followers of Jesus. We ought to put away the old, bring in the new, follow Christ with all of our hearts. And then he talks about, listen, there's some people that are unbelievers. There are some people that are disobedient. But watch, as followers of Jesus, we're different. Here's why. Look at verse 9. That's what we're going to focus on this morning. First Peter 2 Verse 9, he's speaking to believers, but you, he's talking to you right now, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you, right, there's a, there's a calling on your life, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him 
who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Isn't that amazing? Because of what Christ has done, he's literally called you out of the darkness, not so you can just bask in the light and enjoy all the pleasures of the world, but he's lifted you out of the light so that you can proclaim the excellencies of the one who called you. It's a beautiful picture right there. It's a synopsis, really just a summary of exactly what Christ has done for us and what we're now required to do in our lives. In verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Here's the first truth I want you to understand this morning. How should we live for Jesus in 2022? Number one, praise the Lord because we've been rescued from the darkness. You want a theme for this next year? How about praising the Lord because he's rescued you from the darkness? Such a a vivid picture here, such an understandable way for him to explain it. We were once, and the scripture uses this analogy over and over, we were once in the darkness, but because of Jesus now, we have been rescued into the light. Some of you may remember, uh, this is years ago, but August of 2010, Uh, a mine collapsed in Chile. And this is on my mind because I saw this movie just recently. But a mine collapsed in Chile and it trapped 33 of these miners about 2,500 feet below the surface. It's an incredible story. And for the next many weeks, crews from all over the world came to that mine and tried to get those guys out. And if you don't know the story, they were trapped under just sheer rock, right? There was one mine shaft in, one mine shaft out. It collapsed and there was no other way for those guys to get out. And so they literally had to bore another hole through sheer rock uh, about three or four feet in diameter, about 2,500 feet. And they ran this little car that was about as wide as the shaft and about six feet tall down with this long uh, metal uh, rope or whatever uh, cable all the way down. They pulled up one miner at a time. It's an incredible story. And they told the guys, listen, once you get into this mine shaft and you go up and start making your way up, if this thing gets stuck, we can't get you out. And and the claustrophobia in my brain just kind of went crazy right there, right? You're in this little bitty car. They're pulling you through 2,500 feet of rock. And if you get stuck somewhere in the middle, sayonara, right? There's nothing we can do for you. But the story's incredible because they spent all this time digging and bringing these guys, and all 33 of these guys survived. It's called The 33. It's a, it's a movie worth watching. But I remember when it happened, and, and kind of when the, when the eyes of the world were on this event, and crews from all over the world came and were filming and watching, when they rescued these 33 guys, uh, the world kind of rejoiced together, right? I'd never met any of these guys I have no idea who they are. I'd never laid eyes on them or their families. But when those guys are rescued, kind of collectively, we 
excited, right? We cheer, we celebrate when people are rescued, right? Because we know that without these other people working, that these men and women that worked around the clock for these many, many months, 69 days, I think, had they not worked around the clock, these people would have died. And so we celebrate this idea of rescue. Let me just remind you, you're part of the greatest rescue in the history of the world. Did you know that? Jesus Christ has rescued you from the darkness into the light. Some of us have forgotten about that. Some of us have kind of moved beyond that. But the Bible reminds us in Romans 6.22, now you have been set free from sin, right? You've been rescued. You've been pulled out of the darkness into the light, right? God created everything. It was good. Sin separated us from the Lord. Jesus Christ offers us a way back. Jesus Christ offers us the forgiveness. Jesus Christ, using the language of what I've been talking about, Jesus offers us the rescue plan. And without Christ, there's nothing we can do about it. And so the Lord says, listen, you're, you're a royal priesthood, a, a chosen holy nation. You've been taken out of the darkness into his marvelous light. It's a, it's a beautiful picture, right? In, in verse 9 there, there's kind of this, just, this very clear picture of exactly what the Lord has done. We're a chosen people, right? In other words, God's had a, had a plan for our lives from the beginning. Did you know that? One of the things I love, and I say this all the time because it's so important for you to get Right, the, the meta-narrative, the big picture of Scripture points to this idea that from the beginning, God had a plan. And one of the things I try to do when I preach is show you that picture because I think that encourages people. I think it strengthens your faith to understand that from the beginning, God had a plan for every event that took place throughout history. That includes you. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood adopted into the kingdom of God. You're a holy nation set apart. We are God's special possession, right? It's this beautiful picture of exactly what the Lord did for us. And so that ought to lead us to this idea of rejoicing and praising the Lord. Why? Because we've been rescued. And so this upcoming year, 2022, how about focusing on the goodness of the Lord? How about praising his name for all that he's done, for all that he's given, for the fact that he rescued you from the darkness into the light? Now look at verse 11. There's something in 11 I want you to see. It's something we've talked about before. It's something that really matters. It's important. But 1 Peter 2, 11 says, Beloved, that's you, I urge you as, and he gives two words here, sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Right. So we're going we're gonna to rejoice. We're going to praise the Lord because he's rescued us, one. Here's number two. We're going to live holy because we have been set apart. How are you going to live in 2022? Holy. <laughs> You're going to be holy because Christ has set you apart. And I love the phrase there, sojourners and exiles, right? I've said this before. It's a theme that matters to me. It's a theme that ought to matter to you because it's scriptural, right? This is not our home. Right? We are foreigners in a strange land. You know, and like the older I get, the more that kind of resonates with me. The more I, I, I think I understand that, I think some of that comes from, you know, you lose people along the way that you love. And you understand that because they were followers of Christ, you'll see them again. But it's difficult because we're left. 
Right, they're experiencing the glory and the beauty of Christ. We're left here on this earth to, to finish the time out the Lord has given us. But like the older I get and the, and the more I see that and, and kind of keep that in perspective, the more I'm reminded this really is not my home. And so why would I spend so much time and energy trying to do things for this world instead of looking ahead to what Christ has for me? Why don't I spend so much time and energy exerted here when the earth is only temporary, right? Like, are we making decisions that have eternal implications? Or are we making our decisions based on the here and the now? We, we should be investing in things that will be, not necessarily things that are, right? 1 Peter 2.11 I urge you as sojourners and exiles to what? Abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul, right? Because this is not our home, because we are sojourners, right? We're just kind of wanderers. We're exiles because there is a greater home for us, because there's a better place as we look ahead to heaven, because we're only here temporarily. Peter says, listen, because of that, I'm going to urge you to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Here's what he's saying. Listen, stay away from sin because it keeps you from the things of the Lord. Right? If our home is there, if there's something greater than this earth, and praise the Lord, there is. If there's a greater eternal home for us, if we're really going to think through what that looks like and how that's going to be and where we're going to end up one day, then we need to try to take the sins of the world and remove them from our lives because they keep us from the things of Christ. They keep us from focusing on that goal. They keep us from seeing the end, right? Now, here's the problem. You say, listen, I, I don't know. You talk about Adam living holy because we've been set apart, and the Bible uses this phrase about being holy and this idea of, of living a, a life uh, free from sin. You may say, I, I, I can't do that. I've made mistakes. I, I can't be perfect. Listen, Christ never called you to be perfect. He called you to be forgiven. You see the difference? Because you're not going to be perfect. Just a little, little news flash for you. You're not perfect. Neither am I. The Bible never says we're supposed to be perfect. The Bible says instead, if we'll trust Christ, then we'll be forgiven. I love what Paul does at the end of Romans 7. And I, I read this sometimes because it, it helps me understand and put things kind of in perspective. But Paul, these are the words of Paul, Romans 7, 15. You don't have to flip there. Just listen. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I do, I do not want to do, but I do what I hate. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it's sin living in me that does it. And he goes on in verse 24, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul says, listen, I, I don't do the things I want to do sometimes, and I do the things that I don't want to do. I'm a wretched person. I'm sinful. Who's going to rescue me? Who's going to save me? Only Jesus. And so if we're going to kind of have this idea of, of, of living holy of being set apart, of seeing ourselves as sojourners and exiles, then we need to ask ourselves the question, what are the things that are keeping me for, from fully serving the Lord in my life? What are the things that are keeping me from fully serving the Lord? 
Are, are there certain things that I need to remove? Is it a desire for success or, or material possessions? Are there, are there things in my life that when I try to glorify myself, are there things that I'm doing that separate me from the Lord? Are there things that I'm doing that keep my focus here on this earth instead of on the eternal? Am I really living for Christ? Am I really being set apart? Am I really doing all the things that he's called me to do? If we're going to be honest about our walk and we look to the new year, we need to ask ourselves these difficult questions. We need to challenge ourselves. What am I doing to live for Jesus in 2022? Am I living a life holy? Am I praising the Lord in all things? Am I recognizing my eternal home? And let's go again to verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good and glorify God on the day of visitation. Here's the third truth. We need to live on mission because we have a story to tell. We're going to praise the Lord because he's rescued us from the darkness. We're going to live holy because we've been set apart. And we're going to live on mission very simply because we have a story to tell. Pull up verse 9 again. I want you to see what Peter says in this passage of Scripture because he makes this real clear explanationary, very clearly paints this picture for us. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Watch, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Right, the Lord has chosen you, has called you, has used you, has pulled you out of this darkness into the light so you can lay there and get a tan the rest of your life, right? That's what a lot of us think. Man, I'm in the light. It feels good. I'm just going to lay here for a while, Lord. going to get a good tan. going to look good. For... That's not what the Bible teaches, right? You've been pulled out of this darkness into this light so that you may proclaim the excellencies of the one who called you out of the darkness. Isn't that a beautiful picture? All right, we, we need to live on mission because we've got a story to tell. We've got a story to tell. And we, we get excited about a lot of things, and we, we talk about the things that we're excited about. We talk about Christmas because we're excited about Christmas. We talk about New Year. We talk about sporting events. We talk about promotions at work. All those things are good and fun and exciting. And we, we talk about those things, right? We proclaim those things to people. The Lord says, listen, you're a part of the greatest rescue in history. I've brought you out of the darkness into the light, not so you can just bask in the sunlight and enjoy things, but so that you can take that truth that I've given you, that life that I've blessed you with, and you can now proclaim it to others. You can share the truth to those that don't have it, right? There's a beautiful thing about Christianity that I think sometimes we forget about. We've got the answers that so many people are seeking. The world is filled with self-help books, and there's some good ones. I'm sure there's some that have a lot of value that really do help people. But the ultimate answer for all the questions of life is Jesus and his forgiveness. And we've been given that truth. 
God has lifted us out of the darkness into the light, and we need to proclaim his excellencies. Right? What are his excellencies? His goodness, his love, his mercy. But Peter uses a phrase there in verse 12 that I want you to kind of notice. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles. Go to verse 12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Now for us, we're like Gentiles. I don't even, I don't even know what that means. Who are these people? So let's kind of rephrase it, right? The ESV and the King James use the word Gentiles. The NIV uses the word pagans. What Peter's really getting at here are unbelievers, So we kind of rephrase this and say, live such a life among unbelievers. So in other words, when you're kind of out in the world, and and we have to be careful as Christians because sometimes we surround ourselves with so many other Christians, we're never around unbelievers. But when you're around unbelievers at work or whatever it looks like for you in social settings, when you're in those places, you need to live, watch now, such a godly life that people know you're a believer. That's what Peter says. That's what he's saying right here. Keep your conduct among unbelievers honorable. Right? So when you're around unbelievers, you need to live in such a way that they notice that there's something different about you. Like this guy or this lady, there's something different about them. I'm not quite sure what. I can't quite put my finger on it, but they're just different than the way I think. They're different than the way I act. They're different than the way I live my life. Why is that? Because I'm a believer. I'm a follower of Jesus. But Peter goes a little bit farther. He says, listen, you need to live such a good life among unbelievers that even when they speak against you as evildoers, even they say bad things about you, even when they lie about you, and in case you hadn't figured this out, the world lies a lot about Christians. There's a great misunderstanding about who we are and and what we believe and and how we live. But they'll say things like, your faith isn't real, or Jesus isn't real, or it's all made up, or the Bible's this silly book of fables, and the list goes on and on, right? But we need to live in such a way that when these people say these things about us, when they lie about us or make fun of us or do whatever they do, we're living such a godly life that they notice that things are different. And then when we do that, watch, when we are able to kind of withstand these uh, critiques or the challenges or the discussions that come our way, when we live in those moments for Christ, people are going to notice that. And they're going to see that you're different. And they're going to say, I don't don't know what it is about that person, but I really want to live like they're living. Because when when you live for Jesus, when you're different around unbelievers, people notice we, we had the opportunity over Christmas to do Fostering Hope. And by the way, thank you for so many people that were involved in that. We were able to minister to, to so many families. We had people pray to receive Christ. We had people just overwhelmed with excitement for their family, uh, people wanting to, to help other people. But here's the thing, man. When you do something nice for somebody else, people notice and it's contagious. Right, you do something nice for somebody else, and we, we've seen this. We've seen this over and over. They want to go do something nice for somebody else. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we, we understand this. Right? We want to be kind. We want to love. We want to show mercy. But let's be careful here. The ultimate goal isn't simply to be nice, because there's plenty of people that will be nice. The goal isn't simply to say kind things. The goal isn't simply just to be a good guy or good lady. Those things matter. But the ultimate goal, watch, is that we do all of those good things so that we're now given an opportunity to proclaim the truth of Christ. 
Like if all we ever do is just be a nice guy, there are a lot of nice guys. We've got to come to this place where we understand, listen, I've been called out of the darkness into the light. I've been rescued. I've been set apart. I've been given this great gift from the Lord. I've got a story to tell. I've got to be willing to tell it. How are you going to tell your story in 2022? What are you going to do practically to live for Jesus? Who are you going to share your faith with? I would never do this, but I've often thought, we, we, we uh, did a thing years ago in Guatemala, and this stuck with me, and I'm not going to do it, so don't freak out, but it was interesting to me. I, I walked into the church in uh, Santa Lucia. Joe and Megan will know exactly where I'm talking about, wherever they're sitting. They were trying to raise money for a van, and Joe and I still talk about this. They were trying to raise money for a van. Great. They're going to give some money, and down there, they're making three or four dollars a day. No, no uh, exaggeration. Making three or four dollars a day, and so there's not a whole lot of money to give. So they're going to raise some money for a van. It's a van. They got to raise a lot of money for a van. So the way they did it is they said, "Listen, we need you to give money to go towards this van, and we're putting a chart right there on the wall. And every time we give, you're, we're writing your name and how much you gave right there on the wall. Nowhere to hide, is there?" And I thought, woo, that's some accountability right there. Imagine if we said, hey, every time you share the gospel with somebody, I want you to write your name right there and right beside it, the person that you shared the gospel with. A little bit of accountability, right? Some of y'all are like, don't, let him, don't, let him, don't do that. Don't. I'm not going to do it. But imagine if we did, right? The Lord's doing it, by the way. He understands what's going on. What are you doing to live for Jesus? Who are you sharing your faith with? How are you sharing your story, right? We've, we've had a, a couple of rough years. Let's step out of that as best we can. Let's move forward because we've been called. We've been blessed. We got a story to tell. Let's make 2022 the greatest year in the history of our church, not because of anything we can do, but because of what we let Christ do through us, right? Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for the calling you've placed on our lives. We thank you, Father, for a new year, new possibilities, new excitement, new hope. But always let us keep in mind, Father, that because of what you've done, because of the rescue in our lives, because you've set us apart as holy, because you've given us this beautiful story to tell, Father, you expect more from us. Help us, Father, to live for you, to be challenged in our faith, to walk every day of this new year in faith and hope and trust. And Father, we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory for everything that you do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.